Welcome to My Life, Chassidus Applied, episode 306. Today is Bezir, the second day of Ir, the week of Achrei Kedeshim, and we're in the middle of an upheaval, a crisis. So there's much to talk about, many questions have come in, but let me begin firstly. Uh, this program is dedicated by Chava and Ephraim Merovich in honor of Chava's birthday on Rishchidosh Ir. Many healthy and good and powerful years. The Badl B'chaim L'chaim, the program is also dedicated in loving memory of Harav HaChosid, Harav Mot Chaitzvi, Ben Chaim Yesuf Shlema Greenwald. Passed away two years ago on Gimel Ir. Being that I knew him and I remember many of his fabrengans and his talks, so I will share one of two of them throughout this program. Uh, hopefully in connection to the things we're talking about. Before we actually get into any topic, because many, many requests and questions have come in about where you can find programs, we've been doing nonstop, literally almost nonstop programming since uh, Purim, when the outbreak of the coronavirus really became serious. And you can find it all. It's all collected together. Firstly, at chassidusapply.com. Right on the homepage, you'll see a slide that links to all the different materials we have. Go to meaningfullife.com slash corona. You'll find there, again, a list of everything we're doing, including a calendar of events. Some of you asked, where do you find the calendar? The easiest way is to go there. Obviously, the calendar is also on the homepage. And um, the reason I mention it is because literally... uh, you have an, almost every topic related to the questions we have today, addressing it to different audiences, adults, children, teenagers, uh, schools, people from different backgrounds. So you really can find a full array of material. There's the daily, what we call the Daily Spiritual Antidote, which is a short three-minute video that goes out every day, also on podcast form. You can also find that there. That's short and powerful, empowering tools to empower our neshama, our souls, in these trying times when the outside world is, uh, let's put it this way, been upended. What we have is, and we have total control of our inner world. So with that, let's go straight into the topic we're talking about. We're just coming from Rosh Chodesh year, now it's Bezir, the second of year, going into the rest of the week, the month of year. Now, the month of year, as we discussed last week, is a Rosh Tevis. It's an acronym, which couldn't be more appropriate. Ani Hashem Refecha. I, God, am your healer. Pasuk in Bishalach. And as such, I will heal you, the Pasuk says, in a way as if it never happened in the first place. The illness, that is. So, one question which was really relevant to last week, but I'll say, did the Rebbe once say the month of year can stand for Rosh Tevis Ani Hashem Refecha? Absolutely from the Chassam Sefer, from the Bnei Yisachar, from different Svarim that decides this, can there be a special significance now for the month of year because as a community and as a world we need a healing very badly and quickly? And again, the answer is absolutely yes. I discussed it more at length last week because I spoke about Rosh year, the, the yesterday Shabbos, but obviously relates as well as we go into this month of year. So firstly, a broche, one that's not just a healing that comes as a human being healing, doctors and medicine and so on, but a refuah from Ani Hashem, 
God's refuah, which is in a way that leaves no reshim at all, leaves no, no trace as, as if retroactive, healthy as was before, and even healthier because you transform any of the negative into a positive. So that's a blessing to everyone. Hashem should protect us all. And this month, finally, find healing. Discover healing for all people in the world. Get through this pandemic only stronger. And we can only leave with the positive things we've learned during this period, which is a higher state of consciousness, a deeper understanding of what an Hashem is, more of appreciation of life, Yiddishkeit. The fact that we are deprived of certain things, that's what Hashem wants, not to go to shul. A minion is an opportunity to actually appreciate what they are in a way that's not just mechanical, not just easy, but something that we primisdik in an internal way really relate to in a far more sincere and purest way. It's things, things we've been talking about. But let's go back to Rosh Chedesh Bezir. Bezir is the birthday of the Rebbe Marash, the fourth Chabad Rebbe. In his early years, when um, his teacher told the Tzemach his father, how well he's doing in his studies, and how like genius, brilliant he was, Tzemach said, what's the surprise? Teferes, Shebet Teferes. Because Bezir is in the Sefer Seim, Teferes, Shebet Teferes. What does that mean, simple language? Teferes is the third of the Midas, Chesed, Gura, Teferes, is the Kavam Tzoi, it's the middle path. The middle rod, mavriach All the other spheres, when they're structured, like in a human structure, there's right, left, and center. So chokhmah, chesed, netzach is in the right. Bina, gvura, hoid is in the left. What's in the center? The center is das, or keser. When you count keser, you don't count das. Teferes, yisoyed, and malchus. So Kabbalah, Zayar, Achsidus explains that when the Mishkan was built, the walls were connected through, um, the, through the, 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 the Brichim. The Brichim, the walls were connected through, a, through rods. Now there was a rod that connected each wall, but then there was one rod, Brichatichin, the center rod, Hamavriach minakotza that went from one end of the, from, one, from the entire length, the entire width, of the Mishkan. Why do you need that? Even on a plain architectural level. Because you need the, bar, the bars, that the, the rods that connect wall to wall to keep, it, to keep it together. But to keep that equilibrium, the balance, you need one that, that connects them all. That's Tiferes. Mavriach minakotza lakotza. Midas ha'emes. Yaakov. Avram Yitzhak is chesed and gvura. Yaakov is mitosha ishlema. Tiferes. Tiferes also means beauty. Tiferes has many powers to it. But above all, it connects the lowest to the highest, just like that middle rod. Relevance to us, Rafuah is rooted in Teferes, the three Malachim, Machol, Gavriel, and Rafal. Machol is Chesed, Gavriel is Gvura, and Rafal is Teferes. So different Svarim and different uh, sources in Kabbalah and Chesedis bring sometimes Rafuah is connected to Malchus, Tam Tokas Agvuras. But very often it's connected to Teferes, and Teferes reaches all the way up to Arich. And Yashem Refecho is Rosh Tevas Arich. As is brought in Me'er Re'er, one of the classic Kabbalistic Svarim from the students of the students of the Arizal. So Teferes is connected directly to the Fort and Yashem Refecho, Ir. Bezir, Reshchei Deshir, is like the Reish includes the entire month. Then comes Bezir, 
the birthday of the Rebbe Marash, Teferesh Teferes, which has many brachas, many powers. It goes all the way up to, to the to Keser, Teferes Eila Ada Keser, because of the center connection. And it brings it all the way down into Yusayd and Malchus, which brings it into Biyah, Biyuriya, even to the lowest levels. That's ultimate. The greatest level of healing is that type of healing. You can say, I haven't seen this Befedish, that the refor from Hashem is more Teferis related that goes to Keser and Arich. The refor of Abbas of Adam, of a human being, could be the refor that's connected to Malchus and other lower levels. The Rebbe says something like that in his letter, of, his answer in Tov Shechavches. He speaks about a refor that's only going forward, like Tshuva Meyira, that only affects things going forward. That comes from Bina. And then there's one from Arich and Yashem Refecha that's retroactive. So we have the brachas of the Rebbe Marash, the, bro, the birthday of the Rebbe Marash, Mazoli Geve, that gives us that strength. We all know the Rebbe categorized and pers- that the Rebbe Marash was personified by an expression of his. Lechatchila Ariber. The vel zogt as abnegate heptongen geipnarunter. When I'm a kenish, tarunter geipnariber. The world says, if you can't go below, you go above. In other words, you start in an ordinary fashion, a regular fashion. When Ichzog, the Marash says, Ichzog, I say that, Friedrich Rebbe, when he quotes this, you have to go initially from above, which means, in a, not a regular way, go start, think big, think broadly. When the Rebbe, Friedrich Rebbe Chaz is over this in a letter, he says, this became a foundation for me that helped me many times in my life. So it's a psychological attitude. It's an approach to things. You can say, you know, let's start small or let's start relatively uh, in a regular fashion. If it doesn't work, then we'll go with a more uh, broad-minded way. broad-minded way, which was so also incorporated by the Rebbe in everything that he did and continues to do. In our case, that's what we need. We need brachas l'chatchil aribet here. Just like this pandemic has been completely beyond, impossible to fathom in the wrong way, in the negative way, we need something to counter that that is l'maylamitam vedas, supra-conscious, supra-intellectual, knows beyond the regular and the norm. In addition, and this perhaps can explain, an interesting piece of history that's relevant, very relevant to us. Bezir, Tovshin Bez, in 1942, the Friedrich Rebbe began Mashiach Sefer There's a lot of details to the story. I'll just give the Rosh Prokem, being that it's Bezir. Remember 1942, what was going on in the world. It was a different type of Magefa, a man-made one, horrible, called the Holocaust. Friedrich Rebbe had just come two years earlier, barely, from Europe, Nazi Europe, that was being annihilated, devastating, annihilating the Jewish people. Friedrich Rebbe referred to that. Simchas Tera, before a coffers. He had a fabring in Tovshin Bay, 1942. Friedrich Rebbe said that he heard from above that the time has come to write Mashiach Sefer Tera. That's where the Rebbe Friedrich Rebbe started. And um, the Friedrich Rebbe immediately appointed people involved. The two people he called in 
was Rabbi Simpson, and the Sefer who would be Rabshmayor Factor. Rabbi Simpson was the Friedrich Rebbe's secretary. Actually, that's a little later when they began writing it. Let me go back a moment. So Simchastei, the Friedrich Rebbe said that. At the time, we know this from a letter that he wrote, a Bay's ear, that year, later that year, 1942, that at the time he was taking it upon himself, all the expenses, and was going to do it very discreetly on his own. But then something changed, as he writes in the letter, it's printed in Igris Kedish of the Friedrich Rebbe, volume 6, page 278. He writes that he decided, no, he wants to make everyone partnership in it. When the Rebbe mentioned this, Yud Shvat, Tovshin Yud Aleph, the Rebbe spoke about it, he said it was Al Derech Moshe Rabbein, that he could have built the Mishkan himself. But the Pale, he actually, the Abish Tatom, to make sure all the Eden participate. So the Rebbe said. So that's what happened. The Friedrich Rebbe then determined he wanted that to be a certain particular type of parchment, very unique, coming from Eretz Yisrael. And he wanted to begin writing it, Chav Cheshven. That would be essentially three weeks after Simchas Teir, a little more than three weeks. But because they couldn't manage it, the Friedrich Rebbe just writes, but Sibis, he says, I wanted to do it, Chav Cheshven. So. It happened on Bay's ear to Feres, Shabbat to Feres, the Friedrich Rebbe writes. The beginning of the writing of the Tzifatele, the Kabbalah's play Mashiach. And the Friedrich Rebbe made very clear that now too we have an Ace Sodah. And writing a Tzifatele is a Zgula to help, and he excites the story with the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, as a matter of fact, in the same Igris Kedish, two pages later, page 280, is a long letter where he writes the whole story with the Rebbe Rashab, going to Mezhebush, and the Rebbe Friedrich Rebbe on the Beis Ir Siche of Tovshin Beis, printed in Sefer HaSiches Tovshin Beis, page 118, says it much in brief, but in Nicholas Kedush it's at length. Actually, some more details. And what did he say then? Eden Dafen Homerachemim, Shaitmana Sefer Teira. The story, briefly, was that in that year, Mezhebush, in, uh, in Tavkuf Yud Beis, I believe it was. Tovko Feud Bays, yeah. That would be uh, uh, 17, um, 1752. 1752. So it was as Gzeda Bush. they came to the Balshemta. The Balshemta said to write a Sefer Teir. He also said to learn Asius and Teir. Friedrich Kreber refers to that as well. So citing that story. Bezir, Tavshin Bez, say it was a tzorah, na idin hamdav ramrachemim. So we'll write the Sefer Teir. So in a sense, we always know it's the Kabbalah's play Mashiach, but it was two, it was two purposes. You could say, it's interdependent, going toward Mashiach, obviously is also going to bring healing and salvation to the Jewish people. So they began Bezir writing it, and that's when he called on Rabbi Simpson, his secretary, Rabbi Shmayor Factor was the Sefer, was the scribe, and they and they and they began and the Friedrich he started the first letters of the Sefer the Friedrich Rebbe filled them in. It was written in the Alter Rebbe's Ksav. Chsidim began to fabring that day when they heard this. Friedrich Rebbe then said the sicha that I mentioned, and that's when he told the story of the Sefer Teir of Mashiach called the Mefer Sefer Teir. May Hashem help that writing the Sefer Teir will indeed bring this about. Basically, Rachim Shemayim. Compassion from heaven for the Jewish, for the plight of the Jewish people then. Then the Friedrich Rebbe selected three chsidim, 
Rab Shmuel Avitin, Rab Elias Simpson, and Rab David Shifrin, that they should form a committee to supervise the project. And they began writing. Then, Bezir. It took a while, I believe till Sivan that year, Sivan that year, Tovshin uh, Gimel, I'm sorry, Sivan the next year, they had reached already Pasha Sazina, which means almost the end. But for some reason, which we don't know why, it was not finished. Five years later, in Tovshin Ches, the Rebbe wrote to Achosid that time will soon come to finish the Sefer Teda. And they tried to schedule with the Friedrich Rebbe that in the Chof Cheshven, Tovshin Ches, there should be the finishing of the Sefer Teda. But it did not happen. Apparently because the Friedrich Rebbe either didn't agree or just did not give the directive. Okay. That's a story till then. Then, of course, two years later, Tovshin Yud came the Stalkus of the Friedrich Rebbe. Sefer Teda remained unfinished till Pasha Sazinu. For years. For 20 years from Tovshin Yud. The truth is, from Tovshin Gimel, it would be 27 years. Before Yud Shvat, called Hagadol, 20-year anniversary from the Yud Shvat Tovshin Yud, 20 years of the Rebbe's leadership, so ideas were coming in, different things that could be done to honor it. Someone in Eretz Yisrael suggested to finish the Sefer Teda. It was written into the Rebbe, the Rebbe first said no. Then Erev Reshchedesh Shvat Tovshin Lamed, so we're now talking already 1970. The Rebbe came back from the hill and said, all the obstacles are gone and we're going to finish the Sefer Teda. It was very quiet, discreet. Bochum noticed things happening with Rabbi Simpson. Remember Rabbi Simpson and Rabbi Levitin. Rabbi Shefrim wasn't around anymore, but those two were. The Rebbe would call them in and the plans were made. As the days passed, the Rebbe spoke about it and actually even had a complaint and said, why did it come from Eretz It should have come from it, Dalar Amis of the Rebbe himself. Regardless, it was scheduled for Teshvat, Yud Shvat that year, 1970, was Shabbos. So Teshvat, 2.30 in the afternoon, a Friday afternoon, with all fanfare. I remember as a child, everyone came, people from different countries. Everyone felt Mashiach was coming right then. 2.30, Rabbi Simpson came down with the Sefer Teda, the Rebbe behind him with a box. No one knew what was in this box. And they began the finishing of the Sefer Teda. But the Ishtatvus and the Rebbe asked everyone to participate. Even though there weren't all the letters, well, most of them were written already. But the Rebbe said, the Malachim will decide already which letters go to anyone, to each person. And the whole thing, Asim Sefer with the Psukim Ataresa, there's now recordings of it, there's video of it. Extremely dramatic afternoon that Friday afternoon. The finishing of Tafshin Bey's Sefer The Kabbalah's Pnei Mashiach Tzidkenu. And all began on Bey's now, the Mashiach said, Kainu Tiferesh, but Tiferesh is understood. But now, with it, when you know the detail of also that it was a time of necessary healing, and citing the story of the Baal Shem Tev, it all comes together that this Sefer Teda has a particular power, Bezir. And perhaps, Ani Hashem Refecha, and Bezir in a form of Lechatchila Ribe, Lechatchila Leosim Alecha. So not, God forbid, a person is sick and then they get healed. That, Megit Arunter. I don't even place this illness. And even if it plays, God forbid, even for a moment. As the Pesach says in Yeshaya, should be as if retroactive as if it never happened. That's what we're dealing with. So again, Yeshua Koyach. 
to a group of young galite that are about to finish tomorrow, they tell me, the Sefer Teter that they began a month ago for this Matzavna, for this Magay, for this epidemic. But, but uh, so you can go to unity, unitedforprotection.com, unitedforprotection.com to buy these last aces, aces. I'm sure there'll be opportunities after that. And hopefully this already should be Mavatl Dekzeda, the epidemic like it was in the time of the Baal Shem Tov. And Mashiach Sefer obviously, with its power, should do the same. And we shouldn't even know anymore, completely no trace, no residue, nothing remains from this negative, only the positive that came out of it. The learning, the mitzvahs, the tzedakah, the tehillim, and of course the writings of Sifr that forever will be with us. Long after this pandemic ends, the Sifr will be with us, the Sifr Okay, that's Bezir, connected to this year. Now, it's also the week of Achrik Deshim. And we're coming from Sazriya Mitzayda. I mean, we always, something's jump out at you. Sazriya Mitzayda, of course, talks about quarantine of the Mitzayda, which was not a physical disease, as the Ramam says. It was a spiritual, it was a result of divisiveness, a result of, of, of malice, of speaking improperly. Now, we're always very careful not to blame ourselves or anybody for, you did this, that's why this happened. No, that's not what we're talking about. We don't know why God brought this uh, pandemic upon us. But we do know that we have to do something about it. So here came a question that was asked since we're on this topic. Let me just bring this up. Last week we spoke about, some people said, asked me the question whether you can make comparisons between the plague that happened in this period again in Ir to the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva and with what's happening now. That was due to lay nogu covid zebeze. They didn't show respect to one another. So, as I said then, we don't know God's mysterious ways. So I'm not going to make such comparisons. But should we learn a lesson? Absolutely. There's no question. To put it in one person, as they're going, does unity make us more immune? Of course. Achdus is always the caliph of bracha. Barcheno avinu kolonu echad. As we're one, that's when the bracha. Shalom, peace, which isn't just the absence of divisiveness. It's its own wholesomeness, connection, integration, unity. Avis Yisrael, Ahdus Yisrael, unity is a Kelifa Brach. That doesn't mean at the same time that we're pointing a finger and blaming someone. So there was a follow-up to that discussion, and let me read the follow-up. Great going, Rabbi Simon. In program 305, which was last week, someone asked you if there's a parallel between the virus and the epidemic in which Rabbi Akiva's students died. If I understood you correctly, you answered that we cannot say that we know why this is happening. I, like, I would like to suggest that perhaps we can connect the two. The Rebbe asked, how do we understand that they were punished by death for not respecting one another? The answer is that they were not punished for not respecting one another, but that their lack of ardus, of unity, made them vulnerable to a danger that was already present. Had they been united, that would have protected them against the outside existing threat. Can we say that we can learn from that regarding ourselves today, that ardus can help protect us now as well? Totally agree. That absolutely. 
So we're not looking to point fingers, something happened, that's why this is a tit for tat. But what we learned for that, and, and accurately, and thank you for this uh, addition, that was not their lack of respect, but lack of respect makes you more vulnerable. Like when the Rebbe spoke about Mifzim Mezuzah, after Malod, there was a tragic terrorist attack up in northern Israel. The Rebbe came out, Mifzim Mezuzah. Mezuzah has this gula, we know, of, of uh, protection. Shemer Delosis Yisrael. Shaddai is a Rosh that God protects. That God protects everything that goes in and out. That's one of the gulas of a mezuzah. Now we see at times a mezuzah, people have a mezuzah and they're not protected. So the Rebbe compared it to a helmet. When a soldier wears a helmet, it is, makes him less vulnerable. It's protective. Does it mean it's a guarantee? The Ebersht is the only ultimate guarantee. But the Ebersht also gave us ways, schoolers, stoke tatzel and mavis. Stoke preserves and saves us from, from death. Mezuzah is a shmira. Achdus is a keli fabrocha. So we do everything possible, just like you would lock your door, you put up a mezuzah, you do everything possible to build up and reinforce both our spiritual and our material beings, including through unity. And the story of Rabbi Akiva's students is a tremendous lesson in that. As Rabbi Akiva said, unity is a blessing. And a very basic, the Moshal Brodach said this, that when a father sees his children united together, celebrating together, he smiles, he's happy, and he gives them all the blessings. I don't want to say the opposite. When a father sees children not connected and not united, what happens? So, Achdus is a keli. It says in Svarim even, Chassidus brings it, Rebbe brings it, that even even negative forces, when they're united, they have some power, because God gave power to unity. We saw it in the most tragic way during World War II, and we see it in the Chumash, the end of Parshaneach, the Deir Aflogo, who built the Tower of Babel. Why does it say that God had to confuse their languages? He could have just destroyed the tower, changed their minds, confused them. Because they were united. So the Ebersha said, since they're united, the only way is for me to make sure that they're not united by Bovel, from the word that he confused their languages, they couldn't communicate with each other. Of course he could have done it different ways. But there's a power to Ahadus. And God wanted them out because they could always come together again. And God gave power to Ahadus. How much more so in a positive way, the power of unity. So this period in time, Ani Hashem especially the highest level of healing, is precisely to connect it to our unity. Yes, absolutely. And as the Rebbe said, in the name of the Tzamaq Tzedek, as the Ardus of Chassidim, the unity of Chassidim, will help us march toward the Gula. And you can say, Sefer Teira, going back to Sefer Teira, the Rebbe's emphasis in Mem Aleph, Mem Bey, Toshim Mem Aleph, Mem Bey, 81, 82, when he started Mifta Sefer Teira, he spoke so much about Ardus. Because Yisrael Zosha Tevis, Yeshishim Ribi Eisis Leteira, it's an acronym for the words. There are 600,000 letters in the Torah. See, this Svarim already explained. We only know there's 305,800, 302,805 letters. So the Alter Rebbe already explains. The Akudis, the, the, the how to explain it. But 600,000, because every letter gives life to that soul. We're talking about the collective Shishim Ribui, collective 600,000 souls which Al-Tareb explains already in chapter 37 in Tanya, breaks down to more. To more. So we're all connected to those 600,000 letters in Tater. So Tater, a letter in the Tater, actually gives life. That's why the Rebbe brought in Tav Shemem Beis. 
the Pesach and Daniel, that all those are written in the Sefer, meaning the Sefer Teireh, will be protected from any ill, from anything negative. So you connect Agdus to Sefer Teireh to countering Amagefer. All this is part of what we should be doing now. Again, not because we think that's the cause, but that's how we learn from it, what we're going to do about it. We're going to bring more strength to our unity. We're not going to take for granted our lives. We're not going to take for granted our situation and comfort zones. And we will unite like never before, which is what was happening, which is happening and should happen even more so. Every one of us, every one of you, any one of should do whatever you can to connect, especially now in this going into this month of Ir, Ani Hashem Refecha, a month where we count each day, we refine our personal lives, we refine our midas, which of course refinement brings to unity. Because when a person is a more refined person, their chesed, their gvura, teferes, netzachayid, yuseid, and malchus are more mezuchach, more refined. That's what makes us kinder people, gentler people, more giving more disciplined. So it's again fitting, very fitting to this period in time. Which leads me to Achrek Deshim. Achrek Deshim, after Sazir Mitzayra, which came, which was, as I said before, is connected to quarantining, which connected to divisiveness. Quarantine on one hand is divisive, it separates. But it also connects, spiritually, you can be even deeper connected because you realize, like the Alter Rebbe says in Perek Lamed Beis, chapter 32 in Tanya, that our differences, our separation is only physical. But our neshamas, our souls, kulan masimis, they're all connected. We have one father, one organism. The different diyukim there, the levels of this unity. And when you recognize that, that's the yesod, that's the foundation of all love, as he says there. When you make the body a primary thing, and the soul secondary, that's what separates us. Materialism separates us. Bodies are separated. As we see today. Neshamis, souls are united. Spirituality unites. So in the nefesh zikr, when you make the tzuri, when you make the spirit primary, and the body is just a vehicle, that's the key to all love, to all connection. Which is why Avis Yisrael is the foundation of the entire Torah, as Hillel told that potential convert. Zui and everything else is commentary. How could you say that? Half a teta, I mean necessarily exactly half, but a big part of teta is benodin lamokim. It's laws between you and God. It's not. You could say inviting guests and bikochel and visiting the sick and charity and gemilz chasadim. That's all in the category of loving another. But what about davening and karbonus and kashrus? These are all between you and God. Says the Alter Rebbe, no, the whole teta came to create supremacy of spirit over matter, of quality over quantity. Everything, even kosher and even Shabbos and even davening and even karbonus. So as such, Avis Yisrael is based on that. The supremacy that the Iker is the nefesh, spirit. And the body is the means, is the vehicle. It's where God wants the kavonah to be fulfilled, the dirabitachtenim. So that's the foundation. So now, in a time when there's physical challenges and physical separation, and we're told we can't go places and the regular routines, this is the time where what do we have most? Our spirits rise. And the unity becomes even stronger. Achreg deshim. 
The Rebbe explains in both parshas is the focus on sanctifying God's name. The two sons of Aaron, after they passed away, due to them going into the Beis Amigdash, into the Mishkan, not prepared, for good intentions. It came from their great passion and love for God, as the Erechaim explains, but this is how you enter the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is a very powerful place. The most intimate place where heaven meets earth, where God meets the human being. With the Chayin Godel, the high priest goes once a year. And the same thing spiritually, each Chayin Godel, the essence of our souls, experience that once a year. But you have to know how to be careful to go there because you're not ready. A human being can't just take it for granted. Holy of Holies is a place you have to really be aware, cognizant of every step of the way because it's like the holiest place on earth. Just to give an example. A medical example. When a body is healthy, so the skin and the hair and the outer epidermis and the outer levels are able to protect it. But when a body gets exposed for whatever reason during surgery, God forbid, or any other way, the more sensitive the internal organs are, the more sterilization is needed. The more clarity is needed. The more purity is needed. Because there, even one piece of dust can create problems. Just think of it like a piece of dust on the eyeball as opposed to a piece of dust on your finger. Your finger dust is dust. But on the eyeball, it's very irritating. So when you get, the deeper you go in a place that's extremely divine, every blemish matters. That's why Cain Godler went with one blemish, would not survive there. So going to the Holy of Holies is an unbelievable, powerful thing, the most powerful thing. But it's like intimacy. It needs to be very careful. So we learned about how to experience the divine in the deepest way in this chapter. And then Gdeshim, Gdeshim Tiyu. It's not just that the human beings and the Jewish people are subjects of God, servants. We actually become Kadeshim Tiyu, Kikodeshani. You should be sanctified because I am sanctified. So the Medrash says, Initially, the way we read the Medrash, it says, Kedeshim to you, so you would think, Yochelemer, you would think that we can be as holy as God. So it says, no. My holiness is greater than yours. Comes the Baal Shem Tov. Like Siddhis always gives the premiers the deeper types. You're supposed to read it not like Yochel Khomeini as a question, but as an answer. Yochel Khomeini bin Nechusa, yes. Can you be like me? Yes. My holiness above is is through your sanctity. When you sanctify yourself below, you make me sacred. We have the power to be we have the power to sanctify God's name. When we walk, when we talk, and people look at us, they say, ah, a person like that, that's God's, that's a person representing God. I, I love a God like that. Like the Medrash Taisis. To make God beloved in the eyes of people. It's powerful words. So we're not just servants. We're not just subjects. We're not just creations. We are obviously. But God gave us the power to become like godliness. Holy like godliness. And even more so to even create God and holiness above. Hashem Tzilcha, the Magit is the same idea. Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your shadow. What does that mean? He says, because da ma'asha l'mayla mimach. Like the l'mayla mikdushas. Kudosh rasi l'mayla mikdushas chem. 
Everything above is like a shadow from what's going on below. You do something, God reacts. Now, is that bound by that? Obviously, God created it that way. So you're not limited by it, but that's what he wants. A person sits and learns Teda. God responds. It's a call and response. Action, reaction. Cause and effect. So in a time like this, when we're challenged, we demonstrate to God, we don't know your plans, but one thing, we're not giving up. We're going to show you that we will demonstrate with even, even more love to you than we see now in a revealed way from you to us. Obviously, we don't speak against God in any way, but there's revealed. And when you do that, we can evoke in Hashem even deeper power. That's what Lechat Chilariba means, Tiferes. That Tiferes Sabi Tiferes. To reach even deeper and show how much more loving we are, more connected we are, more committed we are. And then we're told the formula, the algorithm works this way. When we behave in a sacred way, in a dignified way, in a beautiful way, even under these circumstances, and especially under these circumstances, that demonstrates what we're capable of. We're capable of going deeper than our comfort zones, deeper than our routines. And that has to create a response that gives us something even more than what we've had till now. Adafur, as I said, that's retroactive, that completely eliminates so Achrikadeshim's lesson is very apropos as well. And there's definitely more to say on this, and there's always more, but suffice it for now. Another thing I'd like to share that uh, was pointed out to me. We talked about uh, the Alta Rebbe's gula for a Magefa was Kateris. Of course, based on the Magefa, the Magefa, the epidemic that happened in the time of Kerach, Kerach's mutiny, so the Hashem tells Moshe through Kateris. Based on that, the Zayar has a whole bunch of analysis of that and stories that was Kateris was used. The Arizal, in case of Arizal, we spoke about all this. I cited that we learned it inside, the different stories, the, the Zayar and the Vayakel, the Arizal in Birchas uh, and Kshar Kavonis. So you can always refer to previous episodes. But there's one piece in the puzzle that... Um, I just, someone made me aware of it, and I want to share that. In Kitsurim Vaha'aris, Tatanya, page 125. Kitsurim Vaha'aris that Rebbe gave out, is one of the, Rebbe would give out different countries, with dollars or different uh, denominations. And once he gave out Kitsurim Vaha'aris, I think it was Tafshin um, Memtes. I'm not positive. So he gave out Kitsurim Vaha'aris, on page 125, Interesting about Tanya. So we know that the Alta Rebbe wanted his Tanya to have two Askomas, Rabbi Yehuda Levi, and from um, the Bzushim Anapolar. Rabbi Yehuda Levi, when he was shown Tanya, Hakoyim, Rabbi Yehuda Levi came, and it's printed in the beginning of Tanya, both their Askomas side by side. He says, The Sefer Tanya, Hukteris, the Kolam Agefes, Haruchnius, Shal Ikfes Meshechel. The Tanya, he says, is the kteris, the incense, the for all the epidemics, spiritual epidemics of the end of days, the footsteps of Mashiach, meaning the end of the Golas, right before Mashiach comes. It brings both kteris and the 
Rabzusha said, the Jews will go they'll march toward Mashiach. They both gave the Haskamas to Tanya and Pasha's Kisove for two reasons. Because by learning Tanya, Yemekayim, you fulfill the Pasha Kisove, you shall enter the land spiritually. The revelation of the coarse desire of the soul to be connected to the divine. And the second reason is because the way the methods of serving God in Tanya transform the curse, which is the Techecha, the long Techecha in Kisove. The 98 negative statements in Pasha Kisove, Lebracha. They transform them to blessing. Reminds me immediately of the story, we all know the Mittler Rebbe, that one year he heard the Teichacha, Pasha Kisove, and he fainted. They said, why'd you faint? He says, I can't believe what it says, such negative things. They said, but every year it's read in the Teich. He says, every year my father read it. This year he wasn't here. My, the Tata Lent, my father reads, I only heard Brachas. So Tanya, Transforms Klola to Bracha. And then, finally, one more point. In their Haskamas, they both mentioned the year of when the Tanya was printed, Tafkuf Nunvav. Rab, Yehuda Lebakayan says, and they express themselves with the way they counted the year. Rab Yehuda Lebakayan said that the year Tafkuf Nunvav, listen to this, Rosha Tevis. Tanyek, Tedis, Neshama, Veruach. Tov, Kuf, Nun, Vav. Like he said, it's the, it's the Tedis, the Kolam HaGefus, Aruchnis, as he said. Abzusha, he, when he writes, he writes, Shnas, Mila, Pduseinu. Pduseinu is, I guess, the Gemati of Tov, Kuf, Nun, Vav. Says, Abdushalonu, our redemption will go toward Mashiach. So they both wrote the name of the year in their own way to indicate what they both said. Now, what's this year? Tov Shin Pei. Some say Tahashnei, Taheshnas, Puduseinu. We're dealing with Amagefa. So, in addition to everything about Ketedus and saying Ketedus, Tanya, he says clearly, Rabbi Yehuda Levi. Rabbi Yudaleb, I'm sorry, Yudaleb Akayan, rather, says clearly that Tanya is dictators. So learning Tanya gives us more power to deal with all negative things and transform the negative into the positive. I felt it valuable to share that. With that, let's deal with now a few questions, more questions. And hopefully, um, as I mentioned already, there are more questions that I can cover. So many questions coming in more than ever. So please don't hesitate to write. First of all, it, gives, it empowers me. I feel stronger. I see the people caring, and I see people also struggling. And it's important that we all communicate together and use this, these platforms. God blessed us with to honor God, to sanctify God through using it to spreading and teaching chassidus and addressing the dilemmas. This is like I've received quite a few letters, people telling me, how much of a lifeline this is, because this is what we need more than ever now, Ruchnizdika connections. So with that, let me go to a few questions. 
Well, quarantine seems is still on people's minds, obviously, because we're all quarantined. So I'm going to address uh, two questions on that. How do I deal with the loneliness of quarantine? And though I did address this topic before, but because it's still so relevant and people are struggling, I, it's a new question, so I felt I should uh, address it again. I live with two roommates, but I feel like they have their own lives, and I moved in rest- recently, and I don't know how many people in the neighborhood, and I don't know many people in the neighborhood, so I'm feeling very alone. That coupled with my issues I was trying to deal with pre-corona is just making it really hard for me. I mean, I know everything is going through a hard, everyone is going through a hard time, but it's still hard for me. Any advice? So I'll share what I've already shared. And remember, loneliness can be, there's two sides to it. It can be a negative. Echa Yoshva Badot. Alas, woe unto Yerushalayim that she sits alone after the destruction of the temple. But loneliness, meaning being alone, could also demonstrate your uniqueness. In many ways, we're all alone. Even when we're with people, we're alone. You walk home after a party or an event in the good old days, so to speak, you're still alone with a certain part of yourself. So you can feel desperate, you can feel isolated, or you can feel unique that God is with you. A time like this, and this is my advice, I know it may be difficult to hear this, people may not be the ones that are going to be the connections right now. The connection is going to be with your own soul and with Hashem. Now when I say people, I didn't mean that to avoid people. Find people that help connect Neshamadik now. Go online if necessary. Text somebody. Look, search around for some material, maybe a class, a program, some music. Anything that can feed your soul. As far as your roommates, I mean, you could reach out to them and see if they... Because I'm sure they also, it doesn't matter if there are two of them and you don't know them so well. Everyone is struggling. But if not them, there's others. You can get on the phone. Do not give up and don't just wallow in your own loneliness. That's the key. You reach out. You reach out to someone. And there's plenty out there today. I'm not saying it's easy. Of course it was easier when you could just go out. You can go out with a friend. You can go to lunch. You can go to breakfast. You can go to a shul. You can go to a social scene. But that's not the, the, the divine providence right now. That's not the plan for now. So the plan is that you didn't disappear. Thank God you have your health. So now is the time to reach out. And not just for your own, to deal with your loneliness. Maybe you can be helpful to someone else. Because everybody is struggling in different ways. I mean, I have no other magic pill here, and there's no tricks for this. This is about effort, growing up, maturing, reaching out, and taking initiative. And you know what? If you don't have someone giving you strength, why don't you give them strength? And that also makes you less lonely, because it gives you empowerment and validation, and you feel you've accomplished something. Because the worst part of loneliness is the demoralization it leads to. When you're giving, when you're volunteering, when you're helping, that always is a powerful way of countering any negative feelings, whether it's loneliness or depression or anxiety and so on. Singles quarantined, another person writes. This is a message for all singles who are struggling with the current situation. I am single, a grandmother who went through a bitter divorce. Under the circumstances, I am not in touch with two married children and their families. Another child is mentally unstable, and there's only one married child with whom I have an ongoing relationship. With Pesach's, arri- when, with Pesach's arrival came the realization that I would be making a solo seder. I was determined that it would be on par with previous years. I davened for this. The first night I read every single commentary in the Rebbe's Haggadah, until the Suda, the meal, 
I sang to myself, instead of thinking of the children and grandchildren who were inaccessible, for the first time I thought of all the sudarim with relatives who had passed on and imagined that they had joined me. My Seder ended at 2 a.m. Learned after the Seder and went to sleep at 3.15 a.m. The next night I took out all the rest of my Haggadahs with different commentaries, sang even more than the first night and ended at 2.15 a.m. Learning afterwards and going to sleep at 3.45 a.m. Both nights were on par with previous years, Baruch Hashem. The mornings were used as opportunities to get some fresh air and to get to know my neighbors better. I've made it my mission to God willing visit someone now every day during Pesach. I never would have done this under normal conditions. In my neighborhood, there's a yid who have been there's a yid who has been knocking on every single door within a three-street radius every Shabbos, wishing them a good Shabbos since this ordeal began. Okay, thank you very much for sharing. And this is a perfect example. We have to remember we're not victims. We're not only on the receiving end. We have the power to influence. Hashem would not, God would not give us a challenge we cannot overcome. We have so many resources. A person just told me the other day. Said, first, for the first time I appreciated the Medrash Tehillim. The last person in Tehillim, King David says, I'll call Neshama Tehalilka. For every soul that praises God. Says the Medrash Tehillim. The word Neshama can be read Neshima. I'll call Neshima, Neshima, Tahalul Khan. Every breath and breath I take, I praise God. Where's the word Neshama come from? Right in the beginning of Bereshis, when God created the human being. Vayikach ofer min Adama, God took a clump of earth from the ground. Vayipach ba'apov nishmas chayim. And he breathed into its nostrils a breath of life, which is called Neshama, Neshima, spirit. Says the Medish, every breath, that's what the Neshama means. So this fellow works in the medical community, says, I've been seeing people struggling to breathe. It's one of the attacks of this uh, accursed virus, the respiratory system. I see people on respirators. And then I said to myself, one second, here I am breathing on my own. 15, 18 minutes, 18 times every minute. Who even thinks about that? Don't take that for granted. Appreciate it. So to sit and say, listen, I'm lonely, I'm alone, is basically a victim. A non-victim does exactly what David HaMelech said. Looks, looks at, think about your breath and thank Hashem. Think about the food and thank Hashem. Think about your life. Think about the gifts. Think about what you are here for. I've heard from you what you, what you need, but what are you needed for? What are you, how are you serving? That's what's the call of the hour now, the call of these times. When you do that, you take the initiative, you're proactive, guaranteed it, can't say resolves all issues, but it resolves the problem of just sitting there, I'm all alone, look how bad my life is. I'm not saying there isn't a challenge, it's a challenge, but we have the strength to do something about it, dig deeper, be innovative, be creative, find ways, just like this woman writes, about her, what she did for Pesach and afterwards. There's so many opportunities. Okay. Here's a question which maybe it's premature to talk about, but I think it's a question. So many people are dealing with this. Paying tuition for closed seminary amid COVID-19. Here's my question for your wonderful Sunday night class on, on uh, 
yeah, on different websites. Here goes. We sent our daughter to Chabad Seminary in Israel this year in Jerusalem, and because of the coronavirus, we had to bring her home mid-March. The seminary required us to pay in full by December. My husband just got reduced hours at his job, and each dollar counts so much. The seminary is absolutely refusing to refund tuition for half of March, full month of April, May, and June. They refuse to return my calls or emails. Should I bring them to Abesdin? Is this ethical? The seminaries are all about learning Torah and raising the future generation to be Erlach, that's to be honest, and, out, and outstanding members of the Chabad community are future shluchas. Can you please give advice on this uncomfortable and painful situation for us? So first of all, I want to tell you, you should be speaking to a rabbi you trust, because this is a matter of halachic questions as well. This isn't just a psychological, emotional thing. The second thing that I will say, just as guidelines go, what I've heard, so there's obligations in these situations. There's obligations that Torah talks about this. Halacha talks about. There's a person, a renter, what is his obligation to his landlord? If, for example, there's an accident or something happens, or there's a pandemic and he can't live there. Is who's, who's liable? And there's all kinds of this thing called makas medina. Makas medina, which means... It's not a specific thing that struck your apartment, but one that is affecting the whole city or the whole town or the whole world for that matter. So there's halachas, and because this is not a halachic form, I don't want to paskin. But I will say a few guidelines here. Let's start with the menshlacha side. There's a thing called derecheres kodmelitere, respect. The, even if the school has a position, they should be calling you back. They should be articulating it to, their, to, their, to all the parents. Just let them state their position. And they should say, if I were them... If you want to discuss it, let's discuss it. An attitude with completely ignoring the way you're describing, if that's accurate, that is not, that's a little irresponsible, more than a little. Once there's a discussion, and believe in the spirit of Teir and so many situations, it could both be that this is no one's fault. It's not the faculty's fault this happened. It's not the parents' fault. It's not the students' fault. So what do you do? The money is sitting by this, the parents, by, this, by the school. What happens if it's the other way around? If the money was by you, and you didn't yet pay for a few months earlier. So of course you'd have to pay for the time your child was there. So there's, these are all halacha questions. Who's the muhzik? Who's holding on to the money? Is there a doubt who's responsible? So then, meaning the one who's holding it is in the stronger position. Or is everybody seemingly not responsible because it's not something that was... It happened in an individual way. It wasn't like your bad luck that your apartment got uh, flooded, not, not to, due to the fault of the landlord. Or something else happened, like the Gemara talks about a field that the river dried up. But if it's Amakas Medina, everybody, it could very well be the approach has to be that you split the, the difference. You split it, the losses. There's many ways to approach it, but the first thing is a menshlacha approach, and that's what I want to bring. So this applied is not halacha, but a menshlacha approach. And I think if people talk like human beings and we know we're all in it together, you can resolve a lot of issues. And if there's an issue that can be resolved, you could always go to a third party who's objective, that can give a, an opinion. And everyone will abide by that opinion that will make sense. Because you have to remember, the schools from the school side could be they're still paying teachers, especially if there's online learning. You don't mention online, because if there was online, I assume... You're getting benefits. You can maybe negotiate a lower rate, but, but if the teachers are being paid, you cannot say, hey. In this case, it looks like the teachers are not being paid. So the school does not have that responsibility. But on the other hand, it could be they already paid the teachers or they feel obligated to pay the teachers for next year. 
Then there's other expenses. The school has to pay rent. They didn't expect that this would happen. Of other administrative expenses. So it's not so black and white. It has to be addressed in a mental way, in a chesed, in a kind way, in a chesedisha way. So the first thing is to create connection with them and try to find other partners. I would also suggest talking to other parents because sometimes a united body makes it a little more, you have a little more negotiating power. You could also put more pressure that they should address. And I'm assuming they didn't respond. I hope they do. And you work it through. Okay. We don't have a lot more time, but let me address a few more questions that came in. And whatever we can address now, we'll continue next week. Why doesn't a name change always protect the individual? Sometimes we see when a person is very ill, the family changes the person's name to Chaim or to Fall in order to try to change that person's fate. Right? They give an additional name of life or healing. How is it explained when, the cha- when the, they change the name but the person sadly passes away? Well, this connects to another two questions and let's address them as well. Why is our Tehillim not helping somebody, writes? We, a few people actually wrote it. We are taught that during times of crisis, the best prayers we can use are the words of Tehillim, Psalms. There's even a Hayyem Yem, with its Hayyem Yem compiled by the Rebbe, from the Friedrich Rebbe's Vertlach, from, from all the Rabbeim, where the Tzemach Tzedek is quoted as saying, if everyone knew the power of what saying Tehillim can accomplish, they would say it all day long. So how do we explain to our children and to ourselves who took their time to say a lot of tilim for their grandfather to be healed from the virus, but sadly their grandfather passed away. Did they not say enough tilim? Did they say the wrong chapter? Did they not have the proper kavana intention? So, obviously you see the connection to the previous one with the name. A few points here. Number one, the Shalom says, Shalom HaKadosh, the Rebbe cites it, that the basic question, Hashem is always listening. He does not sleep. doesn't sleep or slumber. We pray, Hashem hears it. It's not possible that Hashem was distracted, God forbid, like a human being, say maybe you didn't hear it. He heard it. And he knows it's coming from a good place. And it's a need. We're in need of something. Why would our Father in heaven, not respond? Says the Shalom that he responds to every prayer. But sometimes there are many, many layers. So a prayer opens up a door, but there could be other doors that need to be opened. There's also Hashem responds the way he understands. Sometimes it's not the way we like it. That's why we say, it should be revealed to us and we should appreciate it. Everything God does is for the good. Different levels, as the Rebbe explains. Also, this is for the good. Sometimes we see it immediately, sometimes not. So what we have to do is pray, as we were told, when we're in pain and a loss, and yes, for the healing of someone. What God does is not always what we understand. So it's not that the Tehillim didn't help. It's like the famous story in Israel with Mrs. Waxman, who had her son was kidnapped by the terrorists. And the whole country was praying with her. And you know, Israel didn't, didn't negotiate with terrorists. So they finally found out where he was, but they came a minute late, and he was killed. So she was asked, I don't know how anyone could have the heart to ask such a thing, but she was asked, what happened to all your prayers? 
She said, God, we prayed. The whole country prayed together. God heard it all. God answered. His answer was no. No meaning what we wanted was no. So we don't want it that way. And we've told you to continue praying. But Hashem has his mysteries. So to say that the the Tehillim doesn't have an effect, absolutely, that's incorrect. To say the name change doesn't have an effect, it has an effect. Whether Hashem will let it be the way we want it to be or not, that's up to God. We still have to do what we have to do, and we never know. Maybe the effect of the Tehillim of your children for their grandfather, and the same with the name change, or other things we're doing, have an effect that we will appreciate in time. And we'll look back and say, ah, now I understand. Or we may not understand. That's the, the way faith works. God is good. And we don't know why he did this and why he's taken some people. But we continue doing what we have to do. We never give up. That's how it works. We don't give up. Because precisely because we have a neshama, we have that strength and we know that there's a bigger plan, we don't give up. And we want the plan to be on our terms, that it should be good on our terms. But never ever think and I'm saying this to the children, to anyone listening, never ever think that your good deed, your effort, your kavana, is in vain. Our great-great-grandparents suffered greatly, and they davened. And it could very well be the blessings we have today of freedom, prosperity, and comfort, despite our challenge right now, is because of their tefillahs. So did not say, we're not they didn't merit to see it right away. But their grandchildren see it, and they have nachas when they see that. So the blessings we Jews have today didn't come from nowhere. It's because billions of mitzvahs and kapitlach tilim and blood, sweat, and tears of prayers of our grandfathers and our grandmothers, of David HaMelech, of Moshe Rabbeinu, like we invoke them all during our tefillahs, especially during the Yom Nereim, Shoshan Yom Kippur, Slichas, and so on. Their prayers open doors. Sometimes a door needs more doors to be opened. But don't think we're here today out of, by accident. And let's not forget the gifts and blessings. And therefore our prayers as well have an effect. Sometimes we see it immediately. Sometimes we don't see it immediately. Sometimes it's in one form, another form. But never ever it would be a disgrace, would be a, 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 worse than a shame. Be like an insult to the thousands of years of davening and mitzvahs and tehillim said by our ancestors, all the way back from Avram Avin, all the way back from Adam and It was not in vain. They passed away, yes. Some of them prematurely, sometimes some of them in ways that were that horrible ways. But their tefillahs didn't. Mitzvahs do not. They live on forever. They affect the world. And over time we see that we're here today standing. And we have so many blessings because of all that. So it's not just faith. We actually see it in reality. That Avram Avinu, today, almost 3,800 years later, the promise was fulfilled that we would be like his nation, his children would be spread across the world like the stars in the sky. So God forbid we should ever think, give up on that type of confidence and promise and belief in what was told to us, because we've seen it fulfilled in so many different ways, despite the setbacks and times that we don't see it completely in a revealed way. But collectively we do, and individually, we will. Okay. I'm going to do one more question. Doing a mitzvah should protect from harm. 
If it says Shemer Mitzvah Leyoda Dovera, that someone who does a mitzvah, preserves a mitzvah, will not know from any negative thing, from anything evil, then how is it possible that someone can be harmed from davening with a minion even during a pandemic? Because going to a minion is a mitzvah. Now, you could ask the same question about every Pekuach Nefesh situation. Pekuach Nefesh is Dechel Kol Kula, we know. A threat to life. Someone on Yom Kippur, which is the Arai Semamish, supposed to fast. But there's nothing, but the person is in danger. If they don't eat, they will die. Or even a Suffolk, they may die. So say the doctors. And there's no other food but a piece of pork, Rahman al Islam. So not only is it allowed, it's a mitzvah to eat, because v'chai behem. God said, live by this. And as Mepharshim explained, that is actually sanctifying Hashem and sanctifying Yom Kippur. If a person says, I want to be more firm than Teirah, that's not sanctifying. That's not following God's rules. God, told, God says the rules, stated the rules. And the Rebbe explains in the Geras HaKedosh. And the Rebbe elaborates on it because the spark that got so dark, that is Osur Bidea Chitzenim, that's why the word Osur means trapped. It means tied up, bound in negative energy, which, off, which means it's off limits. It becomes Mutter, or even more than Mutter. Allowed means Mutter means released. Osur means to tie up. Lahatir means to untie. What are you untying? The spark from the negative. So you're able to redeem the spark because it's saving a life. That's the chassidish explanation. So you could ask the same question. Person's keeping him keeper. Why should they be in danger in the first place? This is the mysteries of God. It could be it's part of Golos, which is a big illness. We know the Gemara says that the three, that loitam tamisa. They didn't taste the death, the taste of death. It means they had they died without any feeling. Then there's those that says lay mess. They didn't die because so it says. What about What about the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu and others did? He said it was shal nachash. That was the conspiracy of the of the serpent, meaning eitzadas. You blame it. The talisa ala eitz as the Arizal was maspid when he eulogized Ramak Moshe Kardavir with talisa ala eitz. He was a tzaddik, but we, Talisa, we, de- we blame his death not on his iniquities, but on the eights, eights adas. So there's a certain dissonance, a certain disconnection in the world in which we live. That's why there's death. What does it say? Had they not eaten from eights adas, they would have lived forever. Why? You can, a soul is connected straight to God. The soul and the body are connected. Why should there be any disconnect, any illness, any disease, any pandemic, any individual illness? Because there's a puncture. It's like a cup, a cup of water. The water, except for evaporation, won't run out unless there's a hole in the cup. Why should an ashama stop energizing a body? An ashama doesn't, doesn't need a gas station to refill. It's connected. It's an infinite amount of energy. It's because the body is not aligned. Ayeko, Hashem says to Adam, I don't recognize you. Your body, your being is not aligned with the purpose for which you were created. There was a disconnect, a new identity. You have now your own agenda. It was supposed to be aligned to what God wants. You have your own um, identity, your own agenda going on. That puncture, as it accelerated and amplified over the years, affected a general world. So there's illness in this world. But regardless, we still don't understand why certain people 
especially doing a mitzvah. So the answer is God's mysterious ways. We don't know. The Apostle does not, it continues to say, continue to do mitzvahs, like we said before about Tehillim, or about changing a name, or about what I spoke earlier about Achdus. We have to do what we have to do to repair our lives. And that becomes a keli for the bracha. If, for whatever reason, it doesn't always appear the way we want it to appear, it's because God has his mysterious ways and it's part of still the casualties that result of the chet tzadas. Or other factors that are connected to that as well. So with that, let's conclude. There's more questions and I wish I was able to cover more. But I did want to share one story that I heard in this context from Rab Tzvi, Ramortchai Tzvi, whose yard site is tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow. I remember it was a Fabrengen upstairs in 770. And he was speaking about Avis uh, Yisrael. And he told the story that there was a Eid. His name was, he was a, the communist representative, the communist party in the Knesset. His name was, um, his name was uh, Vilner, Mayor Vilner, Mayor Vilner. He was loathed, he was despised by the Jews because he represented basically Stalin. He represented the, the, the former Soviet Union. Anyway, once an article was written by a writer in an Israeli newspaper and he wrote the following. He wrote that this mayor, oh, one second, I forgot. Mayor Villain was so despised that somebody once stabbed him. Stabbed him, he was in the hospital. So this writer, this Israeli writer, wrote that two mistakes were made by the person who stabbed him. He didn't stick the knife deep enough and he didn't turn it. This writer came to, for Tishrei in the late 60s to the Rebbe. He was by, one of the guests for Tishrei. He went by for Lekach, Erev Yom Kippur. This is all Rabbi Tzvi telling the story. And the Rebbe, they were told the Rebbe who he is, and the Rebbe said, You don't write that way in a Jew. And what is a Jew? We'll speak on Sukkot. Okay. That's how the Rebbe spoke, even on Meir Vilna. He went by, went to Rabbi Chadakov, and immediately the Rebbe's secretary said, the Rebbe said he's going to speak with me on Sukkot about what a Jew is, say, I want to schedule an appointment. He said, there's no appointments during Yom Tov, the appointments begin after Tishrei. He says, after Tishrei, I have to go back, I'm not going to be here. No appointments. He said, the Rebbe told me, but today he didn't think Sukkot. So he says, I'll ask the Rebbe, but I don't, he asked the Rebbe, the Rebbe said, no, there's no appointments. So Abichadikov advised him, why don't you come Sukkot? The Rebbe has a fabrengen in the Sukkot. And you'll come. And maybe the Rebbe will talk to you there. And that's what he did. He came to the Sukkot. And he came in the middle of the fabrengen. As he walked in, the Sukkot was small. In 770, the Rebbe saw him. And the Rebbe started, what is a Jew? Literally like continuing the conversation. The end of Chigiga, the Rebbe says, the Gemara says, I eat this. I feel a Peshi Yisrael, Malayim Mitzvahs Kerimen. Even sinners in Israel are filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate. The Rebbe said, why a pomegranate? Because the seeds are there, but they're separated by a very thin membrane. So it's not internalized. But they're Malayim Mitzvahs Kerimen. And the Rebbe elaborated what a Jew really is, Athol Pishachot Yisrael, who... Rabbi Tzvi went on, he told us a second story in that story, that story with Robert Maxwell, 
who was a Jew in England and was being also cast, castigated and, and criticized for different things, that someone had also said cynically that the Gemara says, Rev Yisrael, Rev Gamvi Yisrael. It's talking about the Ganovim in Israel, that most of them are Yisrael, are Jews, because there aren't, there aren't many non-Jews there. So if someone said that about him, Rev Yisrael, most Jews are Ganovim. So the Rebbe said, first of all, it says that about Israel. Second of all, the Vart is Rev, I'm sorry, Rev Gamvi Yisrael him. That most of the thieves are Jews. The Rebbe said, so first of all, it's about Israel. Second of all, it doesn't say Rev Yisrael Ganvehim, that most Jews are Ganovim. It says most Ganovim are Jews. So it says, even if Rebbe, even if as a person, most of him is a Ganif, still Yisrael, though. he's still a Jew. These are two stories I heard about the power of a Jew, which of course, just a lesson all the time about Avis Yisrael, Nachdus Yisrael, the Zechanishmas of Rav Mordechai Tzvi Ben Chaim Yisuf Shleiman Greenwald. This has been My Life Chassidus Applied, episode 306. We've been focusing, of course, on the challenges of these trying times. Please submit your questions, chassidusapplied.com. You can submit them anonymously. You'll find there all previous episodes. Regarding the essay contest, we've already sent out a letter that we're respect and really value every, the time and energy you all put into it. Because of this crisis, things are a bit delayed. We will announce winners. We'll finish evaluating them. Mitzvah Hashem. So you'll hear from us. But everything you did, as I said before, is going to have, is going to be recognized. We're not pushing anything off. It's, we're not ending anything, God forbid. It's just a matter of a little delay. Again, Chassidus applied with Simon Jacobson. In this time, everybody, retroactive as if it never happened, and only the good that comes out of this remains forever and ever. Thank you very much. This program is brought to you by My Life, Hasidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at hasidusapplied.com slash donate.